0: The Dragon Reread is brought to you by the Armadillo Podcasting Club.
1: Did you know that armadillos are the only land-born mammal that has the stamina to swim across the English Channel? They just choose not to.
0: <laughs> we did okay. not know that. But right. to unlock bonus content and learn more important information such as that, visit us at patreon.com slash armadillo podcasting club. <laughs>
2: Wheel of Time turns and ages come and pass, leaving memories that become podcasts. Hello there, welcome to The Dragon Reread. We're rereading Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series of fantasy novels. I am Jeff Lake.
0: I'm Alice Sullivan. And I'm
2: Micah Sparkman. And today we're going to cover chapters 47 through 50 of The Shadow Rising, book four of Wheel of Time. So previously Perrin had a kind of bitter
1: homecoming, and he nearly died of sepsis, which I think is kind of like the medieval he- healthcare experience that everyone would come to expect. <laughs> um, Perrin and Fayo play Kissing Games, which we know means Bill in Town. And uh, Trollocs mount kind of like a half-assed offense. Uh, but Emmonsfield takes in some Tinker refugees, and Perrin starts handing out swords to him. Custom be damned. <laughs> and uh, then a bunch of white cloaks show up late for the party, and Perrin's like, Alright, you guys can come in too. Uh, we check in with Nynaeve Detective Agency 2.0, where the interns continue to resolutely unravel the the damn case, and Nynaeve and Elaine invite a Sean Chan spy and a Forsaken over for tea, and just reveal all their secret plans to them. So... I guess that's pretty par for the course at this point, yeah that is what happened uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Tom and uh Julian continue solving the case, and then you know not even Elaine yeah. don't yeah, yeah. don't and solve criticize the them, yeah, oh, yeah, that's right, I forgot that. they berate them
2: every time that they do something good <laughs> yeah. so chapter forty seven the truth of a viewing, so this is uh starts with Swan Sanchez. oh. With the icon of the Flame of Tarvalon, because this is all going down in Tarvalon. We haven't been in Tarvalon for a little bit, have we? Yeah, it's been a while.
0: Not since Min, I think.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So. I yeah.
1: want to point out that it's less than a page before uh, her first fisherman reference. <laughs>
2: yeah, it's true. And she's like by herself, too. <laughs> she's just like thinking it to herself. Fishing, fisherman, fish, fish, fish. <laughs> fishing, fishing, fishing. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Swan Sanchez is in her office, and we get a little bit of the news that she knows. We know that. That she's found out that the novice that knew about Min has disappeared off the farm. We don't know exactly what happened to her. She, Someone mysterious
1: showed up and tortured and killed him, I yeah, guess, right? Yeah, someone using the power
2: tortured her, so it's got to be a Forsaken, right? I would think so. Yeah, we just don't know who, I guess.
0: Uh-huh. I, th- I got the impression that it was a Black Aja.
2: Well, maybe that was it, yeah. yeah could mm-hmm. be either way. And we know that uh, Masima... Is now called the Prophet and is giving speeches on a hillside to ten thousand people, and, and the ten thousand people clash with the army.
1: He's getting a little big for his britches here. Like the Prophet <laughs> you know, of the
2: Dragon, really? Yeah, nobody's even paying attention to this guy. <laughs> but he's like, I guess he's got a following, so that's nice. Yeah, and, and a bunch of other stuff. But uh, we get interrupted because she gets deposed by Elida's cabal. I guess we kind of knew that was coming, but it it still it still surprised me a little bit that it happened so suddenly. Yeah, and it's a this it's really. Aggravating because Swan Sanchez is kind of doing things right, you know. She's she's got a handle on the dragon situation and she did bring it to the hall of the tower and everything. Yep. But Elida just set up this cabal and, and they they grabbed her and they abducted her and they killed her warder. Yeah.
1: And, and her in she's the just end. the worst.
2: Man, Elida has always been kind of a dick,
1: but like like she's she's not even I'm not even sure if she's doing anything that she thinks is right anymore. Like, for a while, I thought she was doing things, like, out of a kind of a sense of personal righteousness. But at this point, I think she's just, like, power-grabbing, it seems like. Yeah.
2: I think she's just stupid. Yeah. I I think she's really arrogant, stupid, and doesn't realize that there are other people in the world that might be doing something good besides herself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And she's she's one of those people that gets confused between what's good for her and what's good for the world. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think that she's really stupid if she thinks she can do Swan Sanchez's job because she can't. Yeah.
0: Yeah. One of the things I really liked about the beginning of this chapter is we see her role as a political leader mm-hmm. in its own way. We see this bureaucracy, really.
1: Yeah, and I actually kind of like the idea that she she knows that she can't manage all this stuff, but she like she kind of randomly chooses things to do, to just check over to make sure things are running properly. And interestingly enough, she actually finds some things that. Apparently, would have been if she had discovered them like a day ago, she probably could have like headed this whole thing off, if she finds them a day too late, I guess. Yeah,
2: yeah, she doesn't know what she's found, but she found out that they were sneaking soldiers in. Yep. Maybe the reason that they uh, moved when they did is because she had found out that. It's possible, yeah. Uh, so we cut to uh, Min, who spends about half this chapter thinking about boys. Yeah. Uh, but uh, she, she's just sort of coming back to the White Tower and she finds. Uh, smoke rising from the place and a bunch of people fighting each other because <laughs> apparently this uh, coup didn't go as smoothly as they planned. And uh, Hamar Gaiden is leading the, the warders to try and free Suan Sanche and put down the rebellion. Min does the smart thing. She immediately goes and hides. She, the smart thing would be leave. Well, that's true. She should probably leave. Yeah, but she doesn't. No. Nope. And uh, we get we go back to Swan and Lian who have been tortured and stilled.
0: It's so sad.
2: Yeah. They yeah. don't call it gentling when they do it to a woman. Yeah, we've talked about this before. It's, it's weird that they have gendered terms for this, because it's... As far as we can tell, this is exactly the same process, right? Yeah. I think it's because they don't see men who can channel as human, you know? Yeah. Sort of culturally, so they use a term that you use for animals. Gentled, as opposed to stilled. Yeah. Interesting. But yeah, they've been badly tortured, in addition to being stilled. And being stilled is really bad, because usually that makes people die. Uh, they just give up on living. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because... Use magic is so great. I mean, it is right.
1: Like it, if you if you could like do anything with godlike power, and then some, one day you just couldn't anymore, it'd be a little depressing, right? Mm. Yeah, I guess it's true.
0: I wonder if it would almost be like losing one of your senses, like your sense of sight.
1: Mm, mm, might yeah. be. I, I, some, this is something interesting. Uh, so apparently, we find out that because we know that. When someone is stilled, they lose their, like, Aes Sedai agelessness. We knew, I don't remember why we know that, but we've seen it before. Oh, it was the, the Black Aja who got stilled. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, for these two, it seems to have made them look significantly younger. I think they said they lost something like 15 to 20 years of, of age from their faces. Is that something that we've seen before, or is that just something they've never described?
0: No, that's new.
2: Yeah, I, I think maybe it's just they don't appear ageless anymore, so they just seem young. I mean, I wonder if they're actually younger. I mean, I guess we don't
1: know a whole lot about Aes Sedai lifespan, so we don't know exactly how old yeah. Swan is. But, I mean, but I think Min says it. she looks like she's, like, five years older than she
2: is now. Yeah, because as they're sitting there in this dungeon cell, Min comes to their rescue.
0: Not right. just Min.
2: Min and Laras.
0: Who's awesome.
2: <laughs> yeah, who is pretty cool. And she she even talks a bit about how she's not going to help them too much because she still works here. Yeah. You know, she's she's going to have to go with whoever's in charge of the White Tower. But That's she's still, totally fair. Yeah, she's still doing it. Even though Swan spends a lot of her mental energy thinking about how fat Larras is. I know. Yeah,
0: that was annoying.
1: I guess, I mean, I guess in Larras' mind, Swan did give her a big promotion or something, right? Like, she made her Mistress of the Kitchens as some sort of reward. so maybe yeah. there's some loyalty there. But yeah, Swan certainly hasn't been very, like, uh, gracious about, about Larras.
2: Yeah, and Larras mentions that Oh, she's just taken with men, and men is exactly the kind of lively girl that she used to be. But you know, like committing maybe some treason and freeing these deposed leaders, that's. A little bit more than lively well she mentions that she like
1: there are a couple times she almost got arrested and it was like
0: she almost got hanged
1: almost got hanged yeah, yeah. <laughs> so min's like huh i wonder what kind of trouble she got into when she was younger <laughs> <laughs> i mean and we might add murder to that list because she mentions that she cracked a guard over the head with a rolling pin And i mean yeah. if, if you hit someone in the head with something they and they uh they don't get
2: back they up Fall down don't get back up they're for... probably not sleeping yeah, that's right. <laughs> she says, "Like I'll send some wine, you know, if he's gotten back up in an hour. Yeah. But if he hasn't gotten back up in an hour, he's you know,
1: probably dead. That's mm-hmm. a dead guy."
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, so as they, they make their way out of the tower, but and Swan and Leanne can pass because their faces are so different. Because a they've been tortured, and b they don't have this agelessness anymore. Yeah. But this is exactly what Min's viewing said would happen. Yeah, she sees all this stuff that she saw when uh, when she saw the viewing. And she was right; you couldn't avoid it. They have an encounter with Gawin, which uh, this is kind of cool. He has blood streaked on his face, and exactly the pattern that was streaked on his face when Men saw it in the viewing. Yep. Mm-hmm. So this is it. But uh, and Gawin is on Elida's side, I, which
1: I'm not. I don't. I don't know. I'm. I'm having a little bit of trouble with this one. Like on on the one hand, I I guess I sort of get that he's not a big fan of Swan Sanche, mm-hmm. but like. It seems pretty clear that this is not like a, a a lawful, good kind of move that's happening here. And Gwen always struck me as a more or less lawful, good kind of guy. Yeah, I
2: mm-hmm. I kind of see it. I mean, he's not just on her side. He led the the younglings, as they call them, the, the warders in training, in the battle against the, the older warders. And he killed his own trainer, Hamar. Yeah.
0: Is his yeah. only reason for doing so is that he's upset about not knowing where Elaine is?
2: Yeah, you know, well, maybe it's just because... This is lawful, right? According to the law, letter of the law, they deposed her legally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I suppose they, they did. They followed it, even though it was, you know, a coup. But I, I'm i kind of on his side here. Swan Sanchez has lied to him. You know, his duty... What we know of Gwen is that he's been raised to the duty of protecting Elaine. Hmm. And she, like, made Elaine disappear twice and just bullshitted him about it. Like, in a really dismissive way. Like, from his perspective, I could definitely see Swan as an evil person who who made the the leader of my country vanish, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, and no one has given a shit what Gwen thinks. No one has given him any information. They haven't even told him that, you know, she's safe or she's off doing something important. They've just lied to him over and over again.
0: Mm-hmm. But is
1: that enough to, to make him murder people that he cares about and respects? Because, like, he said that Hamar was a friend of his. It was like this... This guy who he trusted and, and knew, is that...
0: Maybe, because I remember him saying once that he had to swear when at Elaine's crib when she was born that he would do all he could to yeah. protect her. Yeah. So
2: from his perspective, he's got a choice, right? He can side with the Swan Loyalist, or he can side with Elida. Which of these paths is more likely to allow him to find Elaine and protect her? And I suppose he does know Elida pretty well because she, he grew up with her, right? Yeah, he knows Elida, and Elida... Has given every indication of wanting to protect Elaine. Also, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. She saw it in a foretelling that that an, an heir to the House Durcand is key to the to defeating the Dark One in the in the last battle. So she's, from his perspective, hundred percent on his side. And Swan is totally untrustworthy. I think he made it a pretty good call yeah. from, if his goal is to protect Elaine, and and that overrides everything else.
1: I suppose. Uh, I, I suppose it just feels awfully evil going around, like you know, leading this this coup. But maybe not. Maybe maybe to him it makes. It makes
2: good sense, you know? Yeah, from our perspective, because we know Swan's a good guy, we know Elida is a dunce, and is probably either Black Aja or is in league with Black Aja. Yeah. Unknowingly. Then we know that what he's doing is wrong, but I don't know. Yeah. I I get where he's coming from on this.
1: Uh, I also want to mention this just briefly, that Elida doesn't just uh, take out Swan. She takes out the entire Blue Aja, right? Like, she kills every member of the Blue Aja, and... I think well, she, said... didn't, she didn't kill them all. They're all they're they're gone from the White Tower, though. The ones that stayed are dead. Right, and and the I guess I think she this green and yellow maybe also
2: the, there's a few who sided with her, but most of them are all dead. Or... Yeah, it sounds like it did not go off the way she wanted it to because yeah. she wanted to be in charge of the White Tower, but she's in charge of like half of it.
0: Yeah, yeah. there was no indication she wanted it to be a bloody battle at yeah. all. Yeah, and even though she she stilled. Swan and Leanne, she did not want to kill them. She was going to make them work in the kitchens.
1: That is not a mercy, I think. That is the... I think that's actually the opposite. It's because she hated them so much that she didn't want to give them the mercy of
2: death. But it is... It's a a continuity thing. You do that so that they can't lead a rebellion... Which is apparently what they're in, in indeed going to do. Or martyr or, or so they can't be martyred, I guess. Yeah.
0: Exactly. And it and it it definitely shows that they have zero authority anymore. Yeah. Um I can't yeah. remember who it was, but there was a king in English history who did that because there was a young man who pretended he was one of the York princes from the tower who was murdered and his name was Perkin Warbeck, and they tried a bunch of people tried to you lead a rebellion. Perkin rebelling. Warbeck? Perkin Warbeck. <laughs>
2: That's yeah. A great name. And
0: they tried to make him like he was this missing prince and everything Um, and the king when that was unsuccessful the king set him working in the kitchen so people could see that and that this was not and that he was not a real threat he was almost a ridiculous character
1: I think this is something that they've mentioned in the White Tower as well previously. I don't remember the occasion or or, uh, or the circumstances, but I think that they talked about this happening in a previous... Oh, I think it was they, they when they were learning about the history of stilling, they mentioned that the people who were still were set to work
2: in the kitchen so that they could be there as
1: an example. So I guess there's precedent for it.
2: Yeah, I, I think I think it's an indication that Elida thought she was just going to be in charge now mm-hmm. and everybody would just obey her even though kind of everybody hates her.
0: So very short-sighted and yeah
2: she didn't think that anybody would fight for Swan which is stupid yeah I, mm-hmm. I think I, I didn't think she was stupid before this chapter because she totally flubbed this yeah I um,
1: I, I, I wonder how how fe- I wonder how Elida would say this went. because at, at this point she, like she talks about wanting to to make the tower strong but she's weakened the tower severely at this point like yeah. there were not that many Sedai to, to begin with and she's just you know thinned their numbers even worse
2: yep uh, I, I suppose we'll find out. But Swan adapts very quickly to this situation. Yeah. In fact, she starts lying to Gwyn right away. She didn't even know that she could lie, but uh, or maybe she did know she could lie, because other women have been stilled. But she just starts lying right to his face. Like, yeah, I know where Egwene uh, I- and Elaine are. They're studying with my old friend,
1: an alien. Did she even really have to lie to him? I mean, like, maybe it's a good idea, because he- she doesn't know his loyalties. He,
2: he would have and... killed her, I think, if she hadn't given him a straight answer. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's what's going on here, is that he says the only reason he doesn't kill her or turn her in is because he might need to know what she knows at some point. Right? Uh, it's just a practical calculation. He's definitely an enemy of Swan Sanche. Yes. Gotcha. But speaking of adapting quickly, Swan realizes that in order to survive after you've been stilled, you need to fill the hole with some other thing, right? And she, she's like, oh, you know, like feed the poor or have a bunch of family or get revenge. <laughs> <laughs> Go on a revenge murder spree. So, yeah, she's, she finds something very healthy. To fill the gap in her life, and it's revenge. <laughs> I'm gonna make sure Elida doesn't get away with this. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And, th- and she does a little recruiting, too. Yeah, she recruits Loghain, who they find sort of skulking
2: around. Yeah. yeah. They got a little entourage going here. We got a former keeper, former Armelin, and a former false dragon. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Min sees the glory on Loghain again.
0: Yeah, she, she sees that halo again.
2: Yeah. Interesting. And she also saw a, a Interesting foretelling about Gawain that either he's going to kneel to Egwene or he's going to break her neck. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, Oh, that's a that's yeah. a that's a coin flip right there. But with Gawain's help, because uh, he wants Swan Sanche to live for whatever reason, they escape the tower. They get on a boat, I think. Mm-hmm. So chapter forty-eight: an offer refused. Icon of the Aiel Spears. And we're right so, back to this Rand yeah. and Avienda bullshit. Yes. Rand yeah. this, I hate. I mean. It's like Robert Jordan made a deal where he can write amazing action scenes, but he cannot write traveling scenes. Yep. Because they're, they're traveling with the Aiel, and, and it's, it's really repetitive, and all that happens in this chapter is Avienda is a shithead to Rand, and the peddlers act really weird.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah, Are totally normal human peddlers. <laughs> yeah. They're definitely human
2: and normal. <laughs> yeah. So Avienda is trying to teach Rand the Aiel ways. And doing a very bad job of it because whenever he needs to know something about the Aiel, he doesn't know it because she didn't tell him that because she was just, just bitching at him. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm starting to get like this feeling, and and I I
1: don't remember if this is true or not. I know I've read these, but I don't remember if, if it's true or not. But I'm starting to get this feeling of like another cringy like Perrin and Fahil romance that Robert Jordan is writing here. Yeah. Like I don't know if he knows how to write people getting together without this really uncomfortable like we hate each other thing that happens first.
0: I would be, at this point, when I read this, I would have been utterly shocked if he there didn't end up being a romance. It seems super, super obvious that that's what's gonna happen.
1: Yep. I mean this is like as soon as Perrin and Fael get sorted out like what, three chapters ago or something like that. <laughs> now we have literally exactly the same thing where you have like an abusive like interaction between them and that's like supposed to no, somehow Well,
2: I would say it was a little bit different because Perrin and Fael didn't like Fail wasn't this bad. Wasn't she? I
1: thought she was, she was worse. worse.
2: She was physically she was abusive with him constantly. Yeah,
0: and remember when she was like, "Oh, I called you just cuz I wanted to see if you'd come like a dog."
2: That was that was later in their relationship though. That was after they were like officially together. Uh, is that better? I mean, it's different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm
0: sorry, Fayel still sucks more.
1: Uh, but but you I mean they but they're both pretty like shitty interactions and like I I just it just frustrates me that I I that Robert Jordan has seems to have to write them this way, you know, like I, I, I just it seems like a terrible a terrible precedent to set for any kind of relationship but that
0: young people's relationships if they have them are only going to be super unhealthy. Yep. Yeah.
2: Mhm. So Rand other than that is still acting wacko because he's got a secret plan that has something to do with the peddlers or whatever. It's so secret he doesn't even think it yeah. uh, so that we readers can't know what it is. That's right. I can't oh I can't think about the secret plan. But he's like it makes him laugh all the time. Like he's I don't know, I've had secret plans in the past but I don't laugh about them.
0: Wait, you've had secret plans?
2: Uh, let's just move on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like,
1: the, there's a funny line where Rand says something like, you know, at least the wise ones are spying openly on me, because
2: after Tyr, that's kind of refreshing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, knowing who's spying on me is kind of nice. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kadir, the peddler leader, and Natale take turns making weird passes at Rand, yeah. Kadir seems to be saying he has some knowledge to sell to Rand. It sounds like he's trying to defect, maybe. Yeah, I... but he's like, but it's like he's trying to plea bargain or something. Yes, he's that's like, what I felt. Yeah, give me just you can forgive forgive anything else that I've ever done, and I'll give you some information. And he's like, no, I don't think so. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> even even if he could forgive, him, he's just one guy, right? What?
0: We're gonna call that Michael Cohening.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then uh yeah, not the totally normal glee human, because you can tell by his <laughs> cloak that he's like, See, I'm a Gleeman, I have a cloak. <laughs> like uh, Gleaman do. Yeah. They prove
2: their Gleeman by showing you their cloak.
1: <laughs> yeah, remember I have this thing and he's like, Oh, I wanna write your I wanna write your epic, so I need to know how you feel about your your Dragon D. Tell me how your Dragon D feels, Rand. <laughs> <laughs> is it hard? <laughs> how does it make you feel? <laughs> mm-hmm. It's, it's true. Just really it's like a really creepy interaction whenever that guy shows up.
2: Yeah, it really is. And uh, who knows what's going on with these guys yet. Avienda, during this time, is spends half her time annoying Rand and half her time learning to channel. So I think that, that she does bring a little bit more than Fael does. Because, you know, she's tall, she can fight, she's a channeler. That's true. Avienda is kind of a badass. Like I think she might be
1: one of our most badass warrior lady characters, I think. Mm-hmm.
0: She's so immature, though. Uh, I think she's probably the most immature female of this entire thing, and that's saying a lot. Uh, that's
1: true. I mean, the yes. most?
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: Right. Yeah, maybe, yeah.
0: I mean, like, the scene when she starts crying because she's so upset that she has to be with Rand because he was really mean to her friend and she hates him. You yeah. You know, stamps well, I, foot pouts.
2: I think there's there's something else going on with her with regard to Rand. Yeah. I think uh, there's a reason why she's acting like a maniac when, well, when she has to, like, hang out with Rand. Like I
1: said, I think she likes him and that she's, like, you know, I, she... Doesn't know how to deal with that because by throwing sand in his face or something. I guess I don't know. That's that's my interpretation so far. But yeah, I, I think all this is
2: supposed to like be hinting at this, that there's something she's not telling us. Yeah, she doesn't. There's some. Oh, sorry. Go
1: ahead. No, I had nothing. oh, there's 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 some some little interesting side notes here. Uh, they mentioned like a uh, this. Let's see the Gara, I think, which I think they're talking about a Gila monster. Are they poisonous?
0: Yes. Yeah. Oh, uh, their bites are super poisonous. I didn't know yeah.
1: So um, they describe it as slow and not dangerous unless you're, like, being dumb. And that's more. And they also describe it as being kind of bronze colored with the yellow stripes, which is, I'm pretty sure, a Gila monster. Uh, and they aren't usually deadly, which is the only difference. But I think people used to think that they were deadly until relatively recently. Um, okay. Okay. But their bite is extremely painful.
2: So they're uh, around the American Southwest, right? Yeah, they're in the Sonoran Desert. I thought
0: they were in Australia. Gila monsters? I don't know about... Oh, I'm sorry. I thought we were talking about what we thought the ideal waste was. Because it feels like Australia, because there's all these things that can just kill you. Well, I think the (laughs)
1: idea is is supposed to be that this is like a blend of different places. But the Gara seems to be a Gila monster. They mentioned some, like, big-eared fox. I think they're talking about Fennec. Oh, okay. It's like big ears with the yippee foxes, but those are from like the Sahara, so yeah. these are all like blends of different desert creatures, but I it it's kind of interesting that they're
2: referencing this. Yeah.
0: There's lions, too. Yeah, that's, that's right, right. Lions. Yeah,
2: lions. So, yeah, they're just traveling, they're traveling through apparently the Sonoran Desert. It seems pretty spectacular, although a really bad place to live. And uh, Matt's there, and Matt's acting weird because he's decided to keep his new memories a secret and everything, and he's keeping reason. them really badly. <laughs>
0: and he's totally trying to slut it up with uh, Keeley's girl- woman, Isendry.
2: See, I, I like this.
0: It's such a bad idea. Can he, like, stop dogging for just one minute? You know
1: what? Matt's just, like, try- he's, he's just, like, trying to seek the pleasures in life, you know? She's, Don't slut shame him. She's throwing off the signals, right? Sure. I mean, and why not? What else has he got to do?
0: Surely he would realize that this is a terrible idea.
1: Well, why? Why is why? it a terrible idea?
0: Because her her husband or whatever is right there. But He doesn't okay seem to care. Uh, yeah,
2: right? they
1: seem to have like an open thing. He doesn't okay. seem to care about
2: that. Yeah, which is weird. But like, that's their thing. You know, as long as it's not going to cause them any problems, why not? Uh, why not follow up this lead? Yeah. I mean, and they're all all a bunch of super weirdos that clearly have some crazy agenda. But you know, why not fuck one of them? <laughs> <laughs> But he there, doesn't get anywhere. Like he buys her gifts and does all uses all of his a game stuff on her, and it doesn't work. Yeah,
1: she just kind of seems to be just kind of stringing him along. But you know, he's having a good time, I guess.
2: Yeah, this this really weird scene where Keeley offers to sell her to him for a Tarvalon mark. Yeah. Is, oh, so, I was she selling her? or Was she just saying, "Oh,
1: she's a." prostitute, like, you know, you can have her for a mark if you wanted to. I couldn't I couldn't tell whether she was saying like devaluing her or literally offering to sell her.
2: I thought I thought she was literally offering to sell her because that's how weird these people are. And I, I thought that was pretty stand up of Matt to not do that. Because a Tarvalon mark is fuck a change to him. <laughs> He's got a lot of those Tarvalon marks.
0: I think Matt realized that she wasn't serious about it and she was just calling Sindri a whore
1: that that was my interpretation was that she was not literally selling her but just saying
2: oh you could have that for a mark you know that kind of thing yeah but finally after all this crazy stuff happens uh, they, they arrive at Cold Rock's Hold which is where Ruark is from so chapter 49 Cold Rock's Hold more Isle Spears for the icon
0: Avienda gives us some good exposition I'm glad she has Rand to explain things to
2: <laughs> so we can learn more about Isle Culture yes yeah, so and mm-hmm. here's what's going on <laughs> They have an entry ceremony into Cold Rock's Hold, which is a really kind of cool place. It's in a canyon, which is shaded from the sun, so it actually stays cool, uh, a lot of parts of it. And they uh, they have this whole ceremony where they, they rush in with their faces bared, making as much noise as they can to indicate that they're not sneaking up. And they have an entry ceremony with the uh, roof, roof mistress. mistress. Yes, the roof mistress of the the Hold, and all the chiefs like have this formal greeting to her, but Kuladin tries to do the greeting also, even though he's not a chief. And he's acting really, really villainous. This this is a recurring theme, and I, I like, I,
1: it it seems a little strange to me that he keeps trying this, because it doesn't seem to be working, right? Like, he did this earlier when the peddler showed up, he was like, oh, yes, come walk with my people, and they're like, you're not a chief, you can't do that. Like, he's already like, made this jump and like, failed a couple times now. I, I don't understand why he's still Pushing this point as if anyone's going to let him do it. It's so in, it's such a violation of like Aiel tradition. They're very traditional.
0: Because he's a super one-dimensional character.
1: Yeah. Robert Jordan
0: has decided that he's just the token asshole of the Aiel.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's the Conger than the Cop, the Shaido, the Congers, and the Coplins, right? That's the idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they're just villainous. Yeah. Like
2: all of them.
0: This area where they are, though, it made me think. Talking about the American Southwest, it made me think of some of the Native American. Uh, Homes that were built into the sides of cliffs. And later, they're talking about... Uh, Rand notices some fruits that are around He's, and some and things that were being grown. And one of them is tomatoes and the other one is corn.
2: Yeah. Corn. Right. Okay, that's what it yeah. was. I yeah, figured the... the tomatoes. I couldn't think what the other one Straight was.
0: Straight broadleaf stalks lined with long, fat, yellow, tasseled sprouts. Uh
2: And then
1: later okay. on at dinner, they're eating uh, succotash, basically. It's like corn and tomatoes and stuff oh, okay. mixed together in a... A
2: meal. Right. Okay. So. There's
1: another one that I wasn't sure about. So those was... are New World things, right? Yes. Yeah. Again, kind of a blend of like, you know, Native Americans and so on. The Aiel are, are clearly like a a blend of a few
2: different things. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of blending, so uh, Ruark is in a polygamous relationship, <laughs> which it takes the Emmonsfield is a little bit to get over. I, I like, thought they already knew this. Yeah, like is this, they, this is old information, right? It may have been something that like Egwene and Elaine learned. Okay, maybe that's what it was. But they're like, what? And Rorke's like, this is my wife, and this is my other wife. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and
1: Matt, of course, has like zero chill. He's like, what? <laughs> Two? Oh, <laughs> you must be the luckiest man or the least lucky man in the
0: world.
1: <laughs> and everyone looks at him like, dude, come like, on. Come on be it's cool, so dude. embarrassing.
2: That was a great Matt
0: impression, that's, that's the That's what the it way, sounds eh? like in my head.
2: Yeah. <laughs> That is pretty accurate. <laughs> but that's uh so why do you think Robert Jordan made the Aiel polygamous? Uh okay.
1: So there's probably I mean that's probably a pretty complicated question. Like there there might be a lot of layers there, but uh, I suspect it has something to do with his idea of empowering women. Like he for him and, and I, I know that doesn't make a lot of sense, but his idea of feminism, to me, doesn't make a lot of sense in general. Mm-hmm. But I think for him, it was the idea that, that female relationship, like this, this woman-to-woman relationship, couldn't be broken by any man, so they would just, like, they, they come as a set.
2: But uh, but female relationships don't need to be broken by the marriage of one of the women, right?
1: Right. I didn't say it made sense. I think <laughs> yeah. that's where he's coming from. Like that's uh, To me, I think that's on the surface what, uh, how he's explaining it.
2: I wondered if this was his i don't know solution to lesbianism or homosexual women like they're so if they're so close that if one of them started seeing a man they would be like broken apart or something is he mean that they are lovers i didn't get this is the solution is that they bring another man in and have a three-way. I didn't get the impression that he
1: was expressly saying that the spear sisters were romantic in
2: in nature. Yeah, I I didn't get that either. I just, I didn't quite understand why this justification for it, you know?
1: Yeah, I, um, I don't know, but it's something that he's, it's not just the Aiel that he's pushing this with, because Rand is the same way, right? Like, he, he has this idea that Rand loves multiple women, and he's like, you know, that well, no, I didn't have to choose or something like that, right? Yeah. So maybe, maybe it's something that Jordan is trying to sell.
2: I don't I mean, know. It seems to be leading to Rand getting in touch with his ideal heritage and, <laughs> and having sister wives. Yeah, you know. I mean, like maybe maybe this is something that that you know, Jordan's I mean, that would be really different because it's not like Elaine and Min are like. Or sisters, spear sisters. It's not like they're super close.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, Avienda and Elaine kind of are. I don't know. We're, weren't Min and Elaine close? I feel like Min was close to them when they were in Tarvalon. We like knew they knew each all...
2: other for like a couple weeks, right? Thought, was that it? I don't know. I thought before okay. the, the Elaine got sent off with Nineties Detective Agency. Yeah. I don't know. So I I don't know. It just doesn't. It doesn't seem to me like Robert Jordan knew a lot of polygamous people in real life and wanted to just and just said. Wanted to present polygamy as just some a normal thing that some cultures do.
1: If he did, then it would be people would like his characters wouldn't be having such a hard time with it, right? Yeah. Like, well,
2: like, no, I I disagree with that because he that's sort of what he did is the field are these kind of Anglo Puritans. Yeah. And so they're they're shocked at all this stuff, but that doesn't mean this stuff is bad. That's sort of just how he presents things. He does. I, he does present them as functional. Like like, it, he, like they're. I would say that they were more shocked by tinkers wearing colors that don't go together right? <laughs> I, I, I mean <laughs> yeah I suppose that's, that's possibly true
1: I mean at every at every moment a character does say something like oh that's so weird or I don't know how that works, you know, but but I mean, like the way he represents them is functional. So I maybe I mean I yeah. guess they could say yeah they're happy yeah. So that's a good point. It's presented in a positive light.
0: Yeah, I really I agree with you, Mike. I think that it's Robert Jordan's form of female empowerment.
1: Yeah, I think mm-hmm. I think that's the what the way he sees it. I don't think he does it very well, but I think he I don't think he often does that very well in his in his books. It's okay something I think he tries for, but doesn't succeed
0: at. Especially since he takes pains to let us know that the Aeol women are kind of the, the matriarchs. They're the ones who wear the pants in the relationship. They're the ones who when they get married they are the ones they are the roof mistresses and she gets they get yeah. to decide if the men are going to be allowed Avianna in. That's what
2: says. Yeah. She says uh, it's ridiculous to let men have a house or own land. Yeah. Because in Aeol culture they don't do that. The women own everything and the men go out and kill people.
1: Right. So uh yeah it, to that point uh Avienda also mentions that Lian could say Ruark, you can't come in and it would just dis- it might destroy their 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 um their group their their sect but that could do that like she could say no you're not allowed to come home. Mm-hmm. Uh so that is kind of interesting that that That's,
2: that's pretty powerful for yeah. this what would otherwise seem like a domestic
1: subservient role. I think I would uh I think it would I would feel better about it if Robert Jordan had examples of Women marrying multiple husbands, if that makes sense? I think it's something we've talked about before. Yeah. It, it seems like a one-sided thing, which makes it still kind of like a male fantasy sort of thing, I guess. Yeah. But if there, if there was like a woman who had like, you know, a couple husbands or something like that, it might be a, a better example of female empowerment, maybe?
2: I don't know. Maybe, yeah. Uh, would you call them brother husbands? Yeah. I mean, right? bro <laughs> <Yeah>. bro <Bro-hus? laughs> <Bro-hus. laughs> <laughs> So the other thing I, I noticed about Cold Rocks Hold is that it's actually pretty cushy. And this made me wonder, are the Isle being a little bit hypocritical when they talk about how the waste is so badass that it makes everybody a super badass? When they come back to Cold Rock's Hold and it's nice and cool and they've got all this luxury furniture and stuff.
0: That they had stolen.
2: That they stole. Mm -hmm. And they have all these books that they read and they, they grow stuff and it... It seemed like a little bit like Emmons Field, you know, really cushy. You know, we, we had talked before about the
1: fact that, uh, like, how do Ayil feed themselves if they don't have agriculture? They do have agriculture. They just... Never talk about it. So it's like they have these these secret cities that you know they're like yeah. uh, we oh yeah we live in these little holes on the ground guys. But they're like all right well here's the here's the real place.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, even, the, ahead, even their like houses
1: a... are like these. Oh, it looks like a little box on the hill. But you go ahead, it's, oh it's like it's a cave with all these like rooms and chambers. And <laughs> yeah, stuff. it's like a big mm-hmm. it's a big place. You it, know, it's like they hide how
2: comfortable their houses really are. <laughs> so, uh, well, so I was wondering, yeah, is that hypocritical? I think uh, it is a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> you know? and they have a nice formal meal. Uh, once they've all gotten into Rourke's house and, and met his sister wife, Leanne, no, wait, his wife, Leanne, whose sister wife is also Rourke's wife, who is
1: Amis. Amis.
2: Yeah. And they, like, I guess there's no drama there, you know? There's not, like, an imbalance in any way. They just, like, smile at each other all the time, and they're always on the same side.
0: I mean, maybe, you're right, maybe there is sort a uh, certain amount of, like, homosexuality yeah. there.
2: Yeah, great if there is. I, I just, yeah, just think about it. Yeah. Um... So this this meal seems pretty cool, right? They're eating all these ideal delicacies and they're eating on the floor and Avienda just ruins it. By just
0: <laughs> You just hate her, don't you?
1: She's She's being kind of horrible at this point. Like yeah. she's like she's lying there and like like basically narrating the meal to him like with like a like a fake smile on her face. Like that's
2: got to be frustrating. Like Yeah, it's so bad that the other Aiel, the wise ones uh, like kind of back her off a little bit. Like what are you what are you doing, you know? The point was not to piss Rand off. The point was to stick near him. What was the point? I forgot. Spy on him. Yeah. Well,
1: yeah, stick near him and spy on him, or whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I have my theories about that. We'll get into it later, but like, I, I think that um, I think that she's like. I guess Rand said something like, "Oh, I'm, I'm happy if she continues to be my teacher," and I guess that pissed her off. Yeah, I, I don't know why he said that because she's awful to him.
0: It's. I think it's a the devil, you know. That's, that's what. That's
1: what he says. I wonder if he's, you know, just...
2: Yeah, maybe that is I, I don't know. Like, okay, this, this meal struck me as really important because this is the first formal meal he's had with Ruark. Ruark is his closest ally among the Aiel. He's, he believes he needs the Aiel, So this is a really important thing for Rand's dragon D and for the future salvation of the world, right? Yep. And Avienda fucks it up by just being a shithead to him and, like, bitching in his ear the whole time. Like I, I, I kind of expected him to like send her away or like use the power to like get rid of her because this is really important and she's screwing it up.
1: I think he likes her. I know that sounds ridiculous, but I think that's I think that's what this is. I think Robert Jordan is like, oh, you know, she's annoying, but Rand secretly like like it doesn't make sense, and I, it, to me it seems like kind of ridiculous. But I think that's the, what that's what we're supposed to be taking away from this. I guess so. Yeah. Even if he won't admit it to himself, he wants her to be around.
2: So Ruark tells him that uh, most of the Aeol will probably follow him because he's got the double dragon tattoo, which yeah. is pretty awesome. Totally. Uh, gonna, I want to get those
1: double dragon tattoos. Yeah, me too.
0: We yeah. get something really weird, though. Uh, Ruark says there's no way to imitate the dragons of Ruidian. And then it says, had Moraine's eyes flickered?
1: Mm-hmm. Which is super weird. Maybe she knows something? Yeah. Yeah. it's it, uh, My interpretation is that that phrase meant something to her from like a prophecy or something. Like when he said, it's not about the imitating. I don't think that she thinks that there's a way to imitate them. I think it's when he said that phrase, she was like, oh, you know, like it it, it struck a, a, a chord with her.
0: Maybe. I was almost wondering if maybe Moraine has a plan B if for whatever reason, um, Rand doesn't work out. It's possible.
2: Mm, yeah. It's also possible that when she went off studying during the Great Hunt, what she learned were two things. Balefire... And tattooing.
0: Oh man. <laughs> nice. He might
2: have gone to like a secret tattoo parlor and picked up tattoo like, skills. We didn't get that much description of Van Deen and Adela or whatever. Maybe they're all tatted up, you know. Badass <laughs> old biker grannies. Yeah. It's gonna take about a month for the Ayul to get to Al Dal, which is the, the place of meeting, which apparently is a nice stadium. And uh, that's the plan, is they're gonna wait here for a month and they're gonna head to Al Dal. So chapter fifty Traps with the icon of Landfear. So, I guess everybody keep an eye out for Lanfear in this chapter. Wait, do you think Lanfear's around? (laughs) Rand has a plan for dealing with Avienda,
1: right? He's going to go gift shopping. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. Because he's in the middle of all this stuff going on. He's like, but it's really important that I make Avienda nice to me.
2: Yeah. And this is what he thinks is going to do it. Even though, clearly, she's got a real problem with him you know
1: and I'm sure like you know going gift shopping for Avienda is gonna, not gonna have any unintended consequences or no
2: he goes to the maidens and gets a, a gift from the the in the maiden chapter house. And uh, they make this huge ritual about it, where he has to like drink tea with every single one of them and remember honor. Yes, yeah, say remember honor. He has to drink tea with seventy people. Yeah,
0: I think he would have figured out there was something suspicious here. He's right? Like, just, oh, it's fine. Just yeah, that's ask fine. a question, right? Uh, what I, does this mean
2: to you? <laughs> I guess if I get a bracelet, I'm supposed to drink tea with everybody. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, he, he takes it, and of course, of course, it turns out it's like a ritual dating thing. Yeah, to get the gift for avienda from the maidens and the the ritual means that they approve of him because i guess he's tall he looks good yeah <laughs> and he's he sweet tattoos yeah <laughs> he does have some sweet tattoos they're like damn check out those tattoos yeah he's <laughs> yeah good. remember he's honor like, yeah potties <laughs> yeah. he finally has a conversation with the wise ones about avienda on his way back mm-hmm. like you know she's really annoying me and they're they're like well we can take her away and he's like no it's okay and he gives Avienda the, the bracelet, which she says, you idiot, of course this is a dating thing. Now they think we're dating. But I'll take it anyway, because this is how this relationship is going to go. Yeah. And
0: and we find out that the Wise Ones approve that because it they're talking about the prophecy, how it says a remnant of a remnant shall be saved of the Aiel people. So it sounds like they want Avienda and Rand to have children, and those are going to be some of the Aiel that are saved. Oh.
2: So that's
0: what I was thinking. I,
1: I, I didn't... I, I, that's... Similar to what I, my inference was. My inference was that they had planned for Rand and Avienda to fall in love or something because then it would invest Rand in the Aiel and he'd be more likely to like care about their, their fate. Oh. That's my interpretation, my my inference. Yeah, that yeah. would
2: explain something that Malayne says. I, if I have to lay the whatever. Yeah. I don't and know then what she that. gets cut off. I think it's like laying the bridal wreath, which uh, is a thing Aiel do. Oh, uh, okay. And so she, she was going to say, if I have to marry you myself, we will get that Dragon D. <laughs> <laughs> I lay the Dragon D myself. <laughs> yeah. But we get... Uh, I, you know, it's actually been so long that I, I was happy to get another Rand dream. Really? Yeah, it's been, it's been like a book, at least, right? Since we had a Rand dream. Probably a bit, yeah. He goes to sleep and has a dream, and in his dream... <laughs> he's, he's, this is just his thing <laughs> he's, he's having a swim with all he's these ha, ladies he's having a skinny dip with Elaine and Min and Avienda and they're all naked and that's, that's just how Rand gets down he's a farm boy he really likes skinny dipping with naked ladies yeah everyone's got their thing uh, that's pretty harmless I guess and then Lanfear shows up less harmless, less harmless. And, uh, and Lanfear is there and she like tries to like seduce him again but it never works because he's just because she, she comes on way too strong. Yes.
1: Yeah, she does the, the natural thing and bites the shit out of his neck yeah, she and makes him bleed.
2: Neck. Yeah. <laughs> then she has a conversation with somebody else that we don't know Why who won't is. you date me?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she has a conversation with somebody who's just a blur, which I found really creepy.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, clearly another Forsaken is Yeah, I is think this is, is the play. like dreamwalking.
2: Oh, yeah. I think this is really, really land fear here. Yeah, I think so too. And talking to somebody else who's really there in his dream.
0: And uh, they mentioned Mog again. Who is a forsaken female known as the spider? But I don't think we know anything else about her.
1: I think she mm-hmm. might be the one that we met in Tanchico, if I had to guess, because like the the woman in Tanchico was talking about like a spider in the shadows or something like that. Yeah, and it, so, it, so I'm guessing that's who they're talking about. It,
0: I think it totally is the woman that Nainese Detective Agency 2.0 met, and they told her everything, and then they didn't remember afterwards. Yeah,
1: but that so that that Magadian is is probably in Tanchico, but that we I guess we don't know who this. Other forsaken is. I don't think we've. Yeah, heard it's got
0: to
2: it. be one of the other peddlers, right?
1: I, I would guess. Yeah.
2: I, are they all forsaken?
1: I, I was trying to figure that out. So, like, probably the the. I mean, probably uh, the merchant leaders are probably the the, um, the gleeman is because, like, he's clearly like <laughs> somebody. And uh, I don't know, but Isender, Isender, I go back and forth about. I don't know if she's just like. A flunky, or she's uh, she's also forsaken, but mm-hmm. they do seem to have a bunch of uh, of evil going on in that peddler group.
2: Yeah, but uh, yeah, Rand gets woken up by the bite on his neck, I think, or yeah. something else. It doesn't matter, but he, he, it's the the old Balsamon trick where he wakes up and the, he actually has a bite on his neck and <laughs> is bleeding from it. And I, like I said, I missed it, you know. Yeah, I, I got sick of it before, but now I think it's kind of cool.
1: He <laughs> did do it like a whole lot consecutively so we had time to get bored with it but you know
0: and this wasn't repetitive this actually had some relevance to the plot because every other dream in the past has been him saying I deny you father of lies over and over and over and that was about it in
1: various very similar but like reskinned creepy dungeons (laughs) (laughs) like he's running through the same level but someone like painted some like
2: (laughs) some (laughs) greener on it or Or some spikes he's using the same sets over and over again (laughs) save on the budget yeah he wakes up and Avienda is there like watching him sleep or something because she's not allowed to get more than three meters away from him and she admits that the wise ones are spying on him but they're using his dreams because of course they
1: are that's pretty fucked up i mean like it's it's predictable but i like i think i'd be pretty pissed about that because that's
2: a
0: huge violation of privacy absolutely a
2: how many people do they do this to is it common they do this to all the chiefs B. How many people have they watched him have sex with in that pond? Like a lot.
1: Like that. I mean, they're probably. I mean, they probably enjoying it at this point. Like everybody.
2: He, <laughs> <laughs> everybody he meets during the day, he has sex with in a pond at night. Maybe yeah. he's had sex with them. They're watching him have sex with them.
1: Uh, I mean, right? Uh, I, mean, I mean, yeah. He thinks
2: about how, like, well, Mulane's not bad looking. Yeah.
1: <laughs> they they uh, they've never mentioned it, so you know, <laughs> <laughs> right? It's good to keep it a secret, I guess. They're just
2: used to it. They're yeah. used to watching this, right?
1: Yeah. But, Trust me, we've seen every sex dream that you can imagine. <laughs> Nothing to be embarrassed about.
2: Speaking of sex dreams, a drug car attacks. It's been a while since we saw one of these. But, yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I was thinking the same thing. It's like, I forgot. I, I totally forgot these were a thing. Because we haven't seen them in, like, maybe a book, book and a half.
2: Yeah, right? And they they attack, they kill some of the guy Shane, which yeah. is a little bit sad.
1: And one of them attempts to sing to Rand, and he's just like, nah, bro. Just cuts him in half. Right, he's <laughs> in the
2: void, and so he can't feel the whatever... There was also a trollic attack at the same time, which is, I guess, a distraction for the drug car.
1: As Matt points out, when he's having a casual conversation with another Iel, he says something like, "Oh, there's not, there weren't that very many of them. They were probably trying to draw our attention away from Rand, so they could attack." And the the Aiel woman's like, "Hey, are you some sort of like, uh, you know, battle leader?" And he's like, "I read a book once," <laughs> <laughs> which. From what we know, Matt may or may not be true. He may have never actually
2: read a book. <laughs> no, I love that. That's why I love it so much. Because he could have just said, like, no. And that would have been more convincing than, I read a book. <laughs> or he could have said, yes. He could have said, yes, I'm a great general. And that would have been more convincing than, I read a book. I know. Like, it's, it's a random aisle. It doesn't matter what he says. He just, it's like, the worst possible answer to this question. <laughs> yeah, big fight with the Trollocs and Rand... It's just invincible to Trollocs now. He runs around with his flaming sword, and which now shoots beams of light.
1: Yeah, he's uh, shooting fireballs, or fire yeah. bars, the bars of fire. I yeah, think that's it's a I, weird description. I kind of like
2: it. that, because the Forsaken keep making fun of him, like, you have all these powers, and you just use them to make a sword. He's like, he's right. I should go above and beyond. The sword <laughs> shoots things now. <laughs> now it shoots fire out of the fire sword.
0: <laughs> Why did we say something in the first place? <laughs> it was a terrible idea. Yeah.
2: and uh, But Matt... He's also invulnerable to Trollocs. He kills a bunch of them with his badass black sword with inscriptions on it. Yeah, with Black sword spear, whatever.
1: Naginata, whatever.
2: Yeah. Uh, But Rand decides that this means uh, he has to go now, because even though that's not the custom, to wait for all the others first. Um, And there's a little bit of drama between Rand and Moraine, where she's still trying to get him to let her in. This is an
1: interesting confrontation, which I think... Actually, probably should have happened a long time ago. I think it's a good thing that he confronted her in this way, though, because because I mean, he's right. Like yeah. she she never she never is straight with him, and he like at this point he really needs her to be yeah to make good decisions. He she, needs to she know would what be
2: she does. A, a, a great ally if he could trust her.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. and of course she flubs it, you know, because yeah. she's she. I guess she can't help it, you know.
2: He's he's he, yeah. He says like, promise you won't screw me over, and she's like. I promise I will help you fulfill your destiny. No, no, (laughs) Not good enough. (laughs) Nope. I'm sorry, that's not it. (laughs)
1: Keep trying. Uh, I I also want to point out that Matt makes an attempt at capitalizing on his uh, badass trollic fighting with his (laughs) Ender. He swings by and he's like, hey, oh man, that's a good fight, you know. (laughs) And she's just like having none of it. It's almost like she doesn't even care if these Trollocs are dead or not.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yep. She's all red flags, but... Matt is, like, colorblind when it comes to those things.
1: Yeah, Yeah, there are two things that Matt is looking at, and they are not flags. (laughs) I have to say, I'm glad that we're jumping ahead. I was afraid that we had another month of, like, sitting here in this bullshit, so I'm glad that Robert Jordan tossed something in to move the plot along. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So does
2: Avienta not bother you guys as much as she bothers me?
1: Uh, Avienta bothers me a lot, um, but... After everything with Perrin and Fail, like this seems about the same to me. Like it's not worse to me. In I fact, maybe slightly better.
0: I still hate Fael more.
1: Yeah, mm. I'm. I'm. I'm definitely like Fael's. file and Perrin is is more uh, cringy to me than Rand and Avienda. Not by a lot, but it is. So I guess at this point I'm inoculated against it. You know, just, <laughs> she annoys the crap out of me, but it's just like, all right. Well, at least she's not like punching him in the ribs and then like. Kicking him while he's on the ground or something yeah. like. Yeah. Well, we know Fael the solution did.
2: right? Is he spanks her? And she likes it. Yeah, <laughs>
1: that's where this is going. I'm sure.
0: It, it bothers me because fail is in a relationship with Perrin.
2: Yeah, I feel like she's she's not like that around the clock. See, they have these they have these toxic relationships, but there are good times also.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that is true. When of one most... of them is
0: hurt or something. Yeah,
1: that is true of but most she's... abusive relationships, Jeff.
0: Since yeah. they
2: got to Emmon's Field, they've been really solid.
0: Yeah, because all, all he had to do was have his entire family die and uh, almost die, die, die himself, from yeah. an incredibly painful arrow in him <laughs> while he's battling. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. No, Fael is still the worst.
1: But Av- Avianda is annoying, but Fael is like outright like awful. I yeah,
0: because Avienda nags at him a lot, but Fael is really controlling in an incredibly unhealthy way. Like saying, oh, I just wanted to see if you would come when I called you. Like a dog. Mm-hmm. Plus, yeah. Fael thinks she's all that, which is really annoying.
1: I, I mean, you could argue that Avienda isn't always like that. Once they start talking and then they have a conversation and he says it's actually pleasant talking to her, it's when she forgets to be a jerk. Yeah, but
2: that, that seems to only last for about ten
1: seconds. And then she remembers that she has to be a jerk. From what we see, but not from what pa- from, from Rand tells us. Rand says that they have like long conversations about IO culture that are actually okay. But, you know, who mm-hmm. knows? We, we definitely only see the bad stuff.
2: That's it for this episode. Next time we're going to cover chapters 51 through 54 of The Shadow Rising. I am Jeff Lake. That's at Jeff underscore Lake on Twitter.
0: I'm Alice Sullivan. That's at Alice M. Sullivan.
2: I'm Micah Sparman, and I still don't have one of those. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, please drop us a line at hello at dragonreread.com. We'd
0: love to hear from you.
2: Please share us with anybody you think will like us. Please give us good reviews wherever you got this. Please check out our Patreon Patreon.com slash Armadillo Podcasting Club because we're a club, we podcast, and we're Armadillos. Every single one of us. <laughs> Please like us in real
1: life. We're super likable and Armadillos. <laughs> Until next time. The, the Light, light illumine you. you.